state-of-the-art medical equipment. Hospitals use it to locate pain. And to help fight pain, they have a choice of pain relievers. What do they use most? Tylenol. Look, last year hospitals dispensed 10 times as much Tylenol as the next four brands combined. Hospitals can trust Tylenol to give effective relief without the stomach irritation possible with aspirin or any other type of pain reliever. Well, if hospitals use Tylenol, shouldn't you? It's Ads in a Six Pack, episode 193 for April 19th, 2023, with Sir Candon and this is a new live son of a bitch! This is a new live son of a bitch! I'm freaking drunk! I've been drinking green tea all goddamn day! Go to church every goddamn Sunday! You gonna bring the demons out of me? Don't, don't just drain the swamp. Drain the fucking ocean! Ugh. Ugh. That was the name of the drug they gave him. Placebo. I think it's made by Pfizer. Sir Canadian, how we doing today, man? Thanks for coming on. Hello? Uh-oh, something happened. <clears throat> you there? <laughs> So what happened is nothing. Oh, God, I better call. I'm back. Oh, hey. I'm back. Oh, good. Hey, I'm back. I don't know what I pushed, but <laughs> I shouldn't touch anything. <laughs> How you doing, man? Uh, I'm great. How are you doing? Thank good. you for having me on. Thanks for coming on, man. I'm three re- times since the first time. You- <laughs> Go ahead. It's all good. Hey, it's, uh, it happens to me, and I've been doing this for three years, so. The mute button well, is an easy thing to great. accidentally push. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm excited yeah. to have you on. I'm excited to talk about Tylenol. And oh, yes. uh, I, I don't know. Uh, this this was a topic that you brought up that I didn't knew, know a lot about. I knew, um, well, I don't want to get into kind of what I brought. Why don't you just kind of give us the cold pitch of what we're going to be talking about? Uh, it was back in 1982. Sorry, this is before you were, you were alive, I hear. Uh, didn't yeah. pick a topic, you know, out of your time frame. Uh, but it, on the surface, if I recall, it was the first kind of scare that the world ever got for uh, for a safety issue. And this safety issue gave us kind of what we have today. Uh, I guess you could call it one of the first nudges of society into a safety-oriented society. And Every safety seal, every single thing you see double, triple sealed, labeled, overdone is you know, a result of this one case that is still not solved. And it next, goes back. Next thing 19- you know, they're making you put in fucking safety nets around every trampoline you buy. <laughs> yes, yes. What the fuck? They're, they're, they're all over my neighborhood. I see them there. Yeah, they're very popular. I saw but, one out in Oliver Springs, know. Tennessee the other day out in the wild, a big old trampoline with no safety net around it. And I was like, oh, my God. That's brings right. me, brings me right. back to my childhood. And George Carlin said, you know, there's far too many safety things. There's too many stupid people living. <laughs> we, <laughs> yeah. need, we need, you know, we need that Darwin theory to come into full effect or, you know, you know, the kid that ate all the marbles didn't grow up to have kids of his own. <laughs> yeah, that swallowed all the chewing gum. Uh, that's right. That's right. We're now, 
I have a bunch of stuff on the on the Tylenol murders. Um, I don't oh, know yes. if you every major network in the world just jumped all over this, and you know you look back at it, and uh, a lot of people remember it, but they don't remember it. And you know somebody was saying today, oh, it was all hype, and uh, you know no one was really hurt. And I said, well, seven people did die, <laughs> and, and not good deaths. Uh, this is how the I spooks have... killed themselves while in custody. So I have my own theories on this. I have some theories, uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save them for later. Uh, you did say sure, when people sure. look back at this, so I do have a clip. Uh, that oh, shot. absolutely. It's, it says, a look back four years later, or 40, sorry, 40 years later, the Tylenol murder. Yes, that's right. This crime captivated the nation, put the nation on its ear, and had probably hundreds and hundreds of thousands of households going through the medicine, medicine cabinets to try to determine, do we have poison in our house? Next week marks 40 years since the Tylenol murders shook Chicago and the nation. Decades later, it remains a cold case, or is it? In tonight's special Ooh. report, Dane Blacko looks back at the deadly poisonings and talks with some former feds who think they know who did it. That bizarre mystery of Tylenol laced with cyanide still has not been solved tonight. Investigators say they are searching for, quote, a madman. When you opened a bottle of Tylenol in the early 1980s, or any product for that matter, you didn't see this protective seal. Now it's the law because of what happened in the Chicago area starting on September 29th, 1982. I, I think looking at this story, they're going to kind of open their eyes and say, I never knew that happened here in Chicago. In a matter of days, the death toll mounted. Seven people have now died. A health official said, we're dealing with Russian roulette. All the bottles are... Oh, Russian fear-mongering right off the bat. All the way <laughs> the Ruskies back in the 80s. Dude. Oh, well, it was strong still, yes. <laughs> Extra-strength capsules were removed Friday as part of the nationwide recall. Do not take any time at all until further notice. That was the year they canceled Halloween because of the poisoning. And everybody was afraid that uh, their child would pick up the candies that were poisoned. Forty years later, we sat down with two retired Chicago FBI agents who originally worked the Tylenol case and the former Chicago special agent in charge who initiated a reinvestigation of the case in 2009. They all believe they know who did it. Uh, I think it's solved. I can't go into that detail because it's not public. I believe that it's solved. I think there's sufficient evidence to go forward. Police are looking for disgruntled employees, angry customers, anybody with a grudge against the stores or Tylenol. Early on, there were few, if any, leads. Then this man became the focus of police. In 1984, former Chicagoan James Lewis was convicted on federal extortion charges for sending this anonymous letter to Johnson & Johnson shortly after the poisonings, demanding $1 million to stop the killings. And the jury was out a half hour before they came in and convicted him. Lewis spent 11 years in prison for the shakedown, but through the decades has denied being responsible for the murders. I think the Tylenol murderer is still out there dancing in the streets. He even reached out. Dancing in the streets. Now, this, <laughs> what do you think about, I I know that there's a lot, that was uh, two and yes. a half minutes of dense uh, material there, but what do you think about this James Lewis guy? Um, he's an extortionist. Um, he had uh, J&J for a million dollars, uh, the ransom note to stop the poisonings. Uh, there's some evidence that says he had prior knowledge to poisoning using cyanide and that's why they suspect him so much but if he's 
if he's the only guy, why isn't he in jail? I mean, that doesn't make any right. sense. And, and, and even lately, uh, somebody's talked to him on a podcast, and he says something that could be taken a couple of ways. He says, you know, like uh, the person asked him, you know, who do you think killed all these people? And he goes, well, it's kind of obvious. Yeah, and I, uh, like, I think. Well, what does that mean? I think I had I had that clip pulled. Yeah, I don't remember which one it's in, but yeah, he yes. says it's kind of obvious. Oh, good, good, excellent. Um, he says, well, yeah. they said, who do you think did it? Very hard like, to hear. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Bad audio, completely. Man on the street like, kind of audio. You know. Yeah, like me. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, is he a patsy? Uh, no, he's not a patsy. He wasn't killed in prison. Uh, he's innocent, pretty much. Uh, the DNA evidence that they had on him didn't match anything. And, you know, like the two cops that came the closest to this case, one of them almost died of the exposure of what was left over in the parking lot outside the van they came up to. I don't know if you ever saw that or came across that information. No. Yeah, the two detectives that found uh, major amounts of evidence that they collect today using for DNA is from this van in some parking lot of some, I cannot remember offhand, I'm sorry, but uh, there was shovels, uh, powder, and boxes of capsules of this particular product that was used. And the exposure uh, had one going to hospital and the other was vomiting. And Now, this was, you know, si- this was cyanide they came across? Yes. And this is all the capsule bottles and everything that they, uh, that they have uh, for DNA evidence that they're using today to try and figure it out even now. But Okay. Uh, well, I, no, I got a, uh, I got the ABC seven news clip you sent. We can play that. I got the I team investigates the Tylenol murders. Um, we, there's a, uh, just a couple more backgrounders we can go through if you want. Yeah, absolutely. And, and somebody, uh, champion has just said that your mic could be turned up just a bit and it's not me. I was expecting it. My mic. Okay. Well, uh, I'll just, I'll do that. <laughs> no, no one else has said this, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, maybe I'll, you I'll sound turn, fine. I'll turn both of us up. How about that? Okay. Fix it in post. I don't know. Turn uh, me up. Twist me up. Give me more twisting. <laughs> uh, okay. Let's uh, let's go with this clip. Give me more twisting. Twist me up. <laughs> the I team investigates the Tylenol murders. Dun dun dun. Well, that's just not that's just not one to play. The I team isn't there many I teams these days. Well, this is the. We I- were there before the fire, <laughs> but we didn't start it. <laughs> no, I think we I might have clipped a bad. Uh, I might have clipped a bad audio clip. It's not one to open. Let's try VLC player. Sorry about that. No problem. Hmm. Servo says the levels are perfect. He ought to know. Well, maybe I just the, produced a bad the clip. Sad king of no agenda. I'm not sure what's happening here, dude. If all my well, clips don't, it. if the rest of my clips don't work, I'm going to be so upset. Oh no. Well, we could always talk about it. People yeah. could always add their piece. <laughs> I hadn't seen that podcast. That was, what, three weeks ago or something that, that he was, uh, Lewis was interviewed. And I was very yeah. interested in hearing that. Inside several the other people. Ooh, go for it. 
Finally got it. Inside the Tylenol investigation the past 40 years has seen a battalion of police, state and federal agents and forensic experts dwindle down to a few faithful who have kept one eye out for possible leads and one finger on the pulse of James Lewis, their longtime prime suspect. With Lewis now 76 years old, potential witnesses aging are already gone and old evidence. There is a race against the clock to bring charges if they are ever to be brought. Cheryl. Yeah, Chuck, and memories are fading as each day passes. We all remember exactly where we were at that time. I was I a junior I in college down at the University of <laughs> Illinois. There was widespread panic. You talked about James Lewis, the only possible suspect that they've had in this investigation. He now lives in Massachusetts and has long denied being involved in this, and he has never been charged. What are they talking about when it comes to James Lewis today? Well, certainly he's the only prime suspect for decades. There were a few early on as the authorities were just getting going. But Lewis, clearly the focus of the investigation for most of the four decades. He's been rightly living outside of Boston and Cambridge, Massachusetts. He doesn't do much. He has written a book. He's had a podcast. He is interviewed from time to time, <laughs> always telling the same story, that he may have been the Tylenol extortionist sending a demand letter for a million dollars from Johnson & Johnson, but the that he had nothing to do with the killings. The authorities who have worked this certainly don't believe that, but there's a difference between believing something and being able to prove it to a jury in court and win a case. Yeah, and investigators talk about lack of physical proof. There's also been the word circumstantial evidence Sir? for a chargeable <coughs> case. Now, of course, he has oh. admitted reportedly to, of course, sending that extortion letter asking for a million dollars. But today, Chuck, you know, what is the holdup? Is there enough evidence to charge anyone 40 years later? Well, there certainly can be. There's no statute of limitations on murder, as we know. And almost every murder case is circumstantial evidence. It's very rare where you have an eyewitness to an actual murder as it's happening who can go into court and testify. And in this case, there weren't surveillance cameras to the extent that we see today. There were no witnesses who saw Lewis put the cyanide into the capsules. Although perhaps the greatest evidence that has existed for more than 40 years are drawings that James Lewis made mm. explaining how somebody could pack Tylenol capsules with cyanide using a pegboard. Of By the way, those the are very detailed them. drawings. Well, yeah, the I-team probably asked him to draw them. <laughs> how, how would you go about doing that sort of thing there? Here's a piece of pegboard. No one will ever see this between you and me. Right. <laughs> Off the record. Yeah. And this is the I team at ABC seven Chicago, by the way. Or they drew them before they were drawn. If you catch my drift. Yeah, this is the this is the we, we had the drawings before he even thought of them. I believe this Terrible. is the this is the long version of the same clip you sent me. Mm -hmm. Um okay. now they they these drawings look it, it seems like they're over explained. It looks like um it's way more thorough than the magic bullet theory. That Arlen Specter drew up, you know, for the Warren Commission. This is like yes, this is absolutely. this is a very detailed uh, multiple page document that this guy drafted up, just detailing how to put cyanide <laughs> into a Tylenol. Was capsule. it was it just as complicated as the magic spit? <laughs> oh God, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, that was the, yeah, that's a classic. Ricochet hit three people. <laughs> oh my God, I gotta I gotta see that episode again. I totally <laughs> forgot about that. 
That's a class. Lewis said he was merely trying to help investigators uh, solve the case, that somebody else did it, but they certainly believe that the reason he knew how to do this was because he did it himself. Again, though, barring any new evidence that Speculation, could tie all these ends together and take James Lewis into court, put him before a jury and see him convicted, uh, that's not going to happen. Authorities, that's though, conjecture, Your Honor. To a decision where that, that could be, be the case. From the record. And Chuck, there is that confusion over the postmark date, over the letter that was actually sent when the reported deaths came into uh, news reports. So the there is office. evidence, they but there's still wrong. pill boxes. Is there's bottles, there's boxes of evidence still 40 years later, and the Illinois State Police say they're still investigating. So it could possibly happen, and it could possibly not happen. Well, that, that's Jeez, very that's some there real stunning analysis. A, uh, it could happen, yeah, and it could, it could possibly heads. happen. Yeah. It could possibly the not happen as well. Attorney's office, and the post County, office is mold, And then so. this throng of, of state and federal and local investigators who have followed this for 40 years now, they will have to come to a consensus that this is the right way to go. It's an unusual case because normally prosecutors have slam-dunk cases that they take and put before a judge or before a jury. This is probably not going to be that. It will be a roll of the dice if they exactly try to charge James Lewis and take him to court. I wanted to play mousetrap. You roll your dice, you move your mice, nobody gets hurt. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. To quote Bob the Build Tomato. Better mousetrap. Um, right. So you, uh, you, you brought up uh, how the Tylenol murders changed the way we consume, consume medicine. And yes, uh, in, yes. in, the, in the report also they talk about like, oh, now it's got a... It's got a thing and then another thing. Medicine, medicine, how about ketchup or catsup or mustard or. Yeah. But is it. Or or things that really don't need our protection. Right. And it's like if you buy like a toy box for a kid, they all have the warning sign that has the baby like with its legs up in the air and its head in the toy box. Yes. Uh, There's this warning. This toy, this box may be played with more than the toy. (laughs) Does the. But is it necessarily a bad thing that we have protective no, seals no. on our food and medicine? No, not at all. Because I like, it I like stop it. Anything? No, it, it doesn't, doesn't really stop anything from having. It, yeah, it's a nudge. It's one of those society's nudges where you just accept it, and then you accept it more and and more and more, and pretty soon, you know, you have a safe place for people at university where it's, you're trying to learn about life where. You're never going to really learn about life in university. You got to learn about life outside of university. Yeah, like but, college. Uh, or something. Yeah, yes, absolutely. I mean, <laughs> uh, yeah. I've just I've just re- recently said that I have financing that was given to the hands of a, a person that hasn't done the done the work yet, hasn't failed enough in life, hasn't uh, doesn't have the discipline needed for such a position for my money. So <laughs> I'm going to kick this. This youngster to the curb until he gets some experience. You know, I'd rather have someone have gone through bankruptcy and failure dealing with my money that knows what that means than, you know, just give it to them. So, yeah, that sort of entitled security that we all think we have uh, today in that. Well, that was school we were talking about to get off track. But, uh, yeah, there's no safe places in this world. And just go travel. You'll find the reality out there. It's not as dangerous out there as they really portray it on the news um the news <laughs> haven't watched that sort of thing in years now and 
you know, uh, no agenda does it for me. And it's hard enough to listen to the clips that come through the show, but it's invaluable to hear how coerced and planned everything's just down to a T and making you afraid. Yep. Yeah. So the seal of safety, that nudge and another nudge and, you know, take your shoes off, take your, you got any metals on it? Well, you got this paper clip can't come on the plane. No, no liquids over like to see eight a ounces. Is it four ounces? That's right. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You know, and then there's that old thing where, well, 10 terrorists could meet in the bathroom one at a time, of course, and put those liquids all together and have a big liquid, a big <laughs> amount of liquid. <laughs> you know, oh, like man, there's nothing worse than a big liquid. That's right. That's so, right. My dad always told Can me that. Can you see the juice? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I have to ask you a question about yeah. your your sir your sir seat sitter, but you were sir seat sitter before you were a knight of the no agenda roundtable. What does that mean again? Yeah. So, well, I was sir seat sitter before I found out about no agenda. It was just like I was sitting in a chair trying to come up with a username for Twitter in 2012. Ah, sitting in the chair. And so I was go. like, well, every other, the first five I came up with or so were taken. So I just landed on that one. And then that's just been my username. And then next thing you know, gotcha. uh, I became Sir Sir Seat Sitter, Knight of the Former Stolen Valor. And they almost didn't give me Sir Sir. But I think some people were in their troll room and were like, no, he oh, I already see. had that I name. So bitch, so, Adam yeah, and were bitching prefer. at me a little bit. Ah, yeah. okay. I got gotcha. you. I, uh, I didn't know. I just had to ask for myself. Yeah, that's just that's the that's the long and short of it, as they say, to make a short story long. Where do you <laughs> yes. want to go? From, okay. uh, where well, do you want to go from here? Because I have um, wherever you want, wherever you want. Take well, us. Uh, you have the crime I'm museum. I'm a fan dot- of the show. Oh, me too. No, I'm a fan of the show, so take me where you want. Okay, I'm there. I'm there, Chris. I'm coming with you. All right, let's do it. Um, let's go, Crimea. <laughs> The backlash over the ad was immediate. To rebuild trust, corporations in trouble follow a familiar script. I am deeply sorry. This was a major breach of trust. One written nearly 40 years ago when a deadly crisis gripped America. The first to buy was the first to die. Tylenol <laughs> changed the crisis landscape. That's some fear mongering right there. The first to oh, buy absolutely. was the first to die. Yeah. The first to buy was the first to die. Tylenol changed the crisis landscape. But have all the lessons been learned? Anger is boiling over on social media with the hashtag boycott. In 1982, I was eight years old, and my mom had just gotten back from the maternity ward, went to the grocery store and bought Tylenol from the grocery store that was doctor's orders. And the next thing I knew, I just saw my mom go out on a stretcher from my upstairs window, and that was the last that I saw her. Mary Reiner's Tylenol had been inexplicably spiked with poison. Three people are dead, and another is in critical condition tonight. One of the victims took the pills he bought to his home. His brother and sister-in-law were so upset by his death that they went back to the house and took some Tylenol from the same bottle. I don't know if I buy that shit. Do you buy that? I don't think they knew where the poison had come from or even understood what was happening at the time, but it sounds true. I don't and know. Like when I, is, just, it's, I just can't imagine. I mean, I don't, maybe it's cause I don't take Tylenol, but I can't imagine a situation where somebody <laughs> dies and then I'm like, Oh, I need some Tylenol. And I go back to the house and take some, both of us to have to take the Tylenol of the same bottle or any kind of Tylenol. Unless they didn't know that again, that's what killed the person and, at the time, it wasn't. Was it, I'm sorry, I'm missing. A, is was the story broken yet? Did they 
know where the no no came from. no they didn't but well, then, I, I don't yeah, know then maybe i pre- assume it would help and yeah it was the entire bottle or something i'm, I'm just projecting my because I, I, I don't know i think i've taken tylenol <laughs> maybe twice in my entire life good, or, any, good. or, or ibuprofen yeah. or any of that crap so like i don't know maybe i'm projecting on i just i guess a lot of people do take it on a daily basis but i just can't imagine like yes yes i, I specifically go home to take tylenol because because the way the news anchor mm-hmm. presented it he, he implies they took tylenol because they were distressed about their death in the family yes that to me yeah, doesn't that, track that is what they say yeah well, that, they, that, they may have just add that in for sensationalism yeah it is the news by the way yeah Scary music. Or dead, and another is in critical condition tonight. One of the victims took the pills he bought to his home. His brother and sister-in-law were so upset by his death that they went back to the house and took some Tylenol from the same bottle. As the death toll hit seven, the terrifying randomness of the poisonings shocked the nation. That bizarre mystery of Tylenol laced with cyanide still has not been solved tonight. Investigators say they are searching for, quote, a madman. People were terrorized. They didn't know what product they had in their home that could possibly be lethal if they ingested it. Scared, really, that something, somebody could have tampered with some of the other products. We had police riding around with their bullhorns, yelling, throw out your Tylenol, flush it down the toilet. Do not take any Tylenol until further notice. People were checking themselves into the ER, thinking they'd been poisoned. It was absolute chaos. Flush it all down the mall, okay? There's no single person or even a group of single persons that stand out above the rest at this point in time. We had no clues as to the motivation except the taking of human life. It made no sense. There was no clear and intended victim, but just anyone, anyone who happened to have the misfortune to buy a bottle of Tylenol. Police are looking for disgruntled employees, angry customers, anybody with a grudge against the stores or Tylenol. Police are even checking stock transactions to see whether someone was trying to push down the value of Johnson & Johnson stock. This was not a, a cockroach-in-the-box kind of, a, of an issue. People had lost their lives. And that really created that vulnerability, that sense of risk, that sense of threat that I think really scared a lot of people, and justifiably. Alan Hilberg worked for Johnson & Johnson's outside public relations firm, one that was increasingly focused on a new type of business, crisis management. I remember asking lots of questions. The conversation was, well, we need to recall. Okay, do we recall from the store? Do we recall from the city? Do we recall from the region? All the bottles of extra-strength capsules were removed Friday as part of the nationwide recall. Now, not only is extra-strength Tylenol off the shelves, Tylenol commercials are off the air. The race is on for Tylenol's competitors. Some analysts predict the Tylenol brand name will disappear within a year. Yeah, that didn't happen. (laughs) No. (laughs) Uh, So I have a theory. Uh, Well, you know what? Let me hold off on my theory. Go ahead. Okay, okay. Because I, I I don't want to blow my whole wad at once, but um I don't know what do you do you think that, so do you think this was a coordinated effort to um nudge people like you said towards safety culture or do you think um, yes yes I do okay yes I I have Be, well because no one's ever been caught and no one's been caught and killed and made a patsy of so right that's what I'm going by <laughs> it, it may have been uh, before all that started. They, they were graduating as they went along, so to speak. Go ahead. Go ahead. Now. I, th- I have a, just a sneaking suspicion, 
and I, I don't have much to back this up, but I have a suspicion that there wasn't even any cyanide involved in this period. That's, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from. Because, and, well, let, let's just talk, let's just uh, go back, uh, not quite as late as the 80s, but I mean, acetaminophen is not good for you. No, no, of course not. Absolutely. In pains, you may want to listen up. The maximum recommended dose is about to be dropped. Now, instead of eight pills of extra string Tylenol, you should now take six a day. That's been the change recommended from the provider. The change is expected is because of fears of dangerous overdoses, and the key ingredient for extra extra string Tylenol is acetaminophen. Now, some people are trying to mix Tylenol with other meds that also contain acetaminophen. It can kill people when used in large doses, so trying to reduce the doses people use is very wise. Acetaminophen overdose is the leading cause of liver failure in the U.S., and Tylenol is expected to release a new dosage guideline coming up this fall. More than alcohol, acetaminophen overdose yes. is, it causes more liver failure than alcohol. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you take too much, you can die, like, real fucking quick. It's not just... In good health tonight, when an Ohio mom came down with the flu, she turned to over-the-counter medications to ease her symptoms. And many of us do that, Mm -hmm. but she ended up needing a new liver to survive. Our Dr. Frank McGeorge is here with a cautionary tale for everyone. Doc. Well, this is a big deal, Karen and Jason. You know, Tylenol, NyQuil, Theraflu. Stephanie Soriano wasn't taking anything that unusual, but she made the critical mistake that quickly turned into a life-threatening situation. From the drugstore aisle to the ICU, when Stephanie Soriano got sick in January, the busy mom says she just wanted to knock out the illness so she could keep going. I was taking um, Tylenol during the day, um, towards the evening as well, Uh, then at nighttime for bedtime so I could sleep. Um, I would take NyQuil. Um, Then I would wake up around 2 to 3 in the morning um, and take Theraflu as well. It eased her symptoms, but Stephanie didn't realize the products all contained one common ingredient, acetaminophen. Yeah, so the my my general my my take is, like I said, I don't have much to back this up. But to me, it makes a lot of sense that Tylenol didn't have the proper uh, warnings. People weren't as educated about acetaminophen back then, and they still aren't, quite frankly. I know a lot of people that have no idea you can overdose. I see where I see where you're going. Yes. So what so what if they like a bunch of people died were dying from Tylenol and they hyped up a bunch of fear and blamed it on some other killer while they uh, just to get the, like to avoid lawsuits of a bunch of people dying. So how many people die yes. or at least overdose on acetaminophen annually? I think I had that stat mm, pulled up. Absolutely. Um, yes. So well, I've heard uh, a doctor talking about this very subject too in great detail. She wrote a book about uh and she was on the higher side chats back in March, March of 21st, 2022. Her name is Dr. Jennifer Daniels. The Lethal Dose, the book is called. And that is the standard care uh, of modern medicine and what a dose means. And I had no idea. And this was a, you know, a very credible doctor who was outside of society of medical uh, treatment, you know, uh, the, the uh, broad scheme of medicine she's now oust like uh, a lot of doctors who don't agree with what's going on she can never be convinced and yeah she talked in great deal about what you're talking about now but go on this is great well i have it pulled up from the nih um acetaminophen is responsible and this is according to recent years so this is (laughs) this is not the 80s i'd like to see some stats on 1982 1981 
Yes. But in uh, well, this, this has a lot of the hospital deaths, like the overwhelming amount of people who die in the hospital uh, with un, with care, with proper medical uh, over the counter, sorry, uh, prescribed medications. It's just shocking amount of people. I don't know what that number is, but I'm sure you're getting to it here. Yeah, I've got, uh, well, the NIH says there's 56,000 emergency department visits, uh, 26,000 long-term hospitalizations, and 500 deaths per year from acetaminophen uh, overdoses. And that doesn't include uh, long-term effects of liver damage. Because another thing I have to imagine yes, is yes, if, you can, if you're taking, if taking, you know, eight pills or 10 pills can kill you of, Tylen- of extreme strength Tylenol, then yes. taking four a day is probably not good for you. No, yeah, it depends on how the body filters all that out, how the liver's working, the kidneys, and you're also damaging all those organs on the way out too. Yeah, I'm, and I'm looking for. I I wish, uh, I wish I could find an an exact number, but I'm, I'm because I didn't think of it Mm -hmm. until now. But the uh, it's acceptable. (laughs) It's an acceptable number, apparently. But if there's if there's 500 deaths a year in the United States, I would have to imagine that back before the education was as strong about the risks of acetaminophen and before the warning labels were stringent, that could have yes. easily been one to 2000 deaths per year, just hypothetically. Absolutely. And so if you Absolutely. do the numbers, Chicago is a big city. What are the likelihoods that seven of those overdoses happened within a short uh, period of time in Chicago? Not that unlikely. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's uh, isolation. Yes. Unless it was a targeted area. Yeah. Especially if they um, weren't as, um, I don't know. That to me is is as likely a story. I'm always skeptical of saying no one was hurt in this operation because obviously people were hurt in things that appear to be operations. I I live in a small town of 4,800 people and a girl in this town, a young girl, I think 18 years old, was killed in that Vegas shooting from this little Canadian town. It's a little weird. It's a little too close to home. And, uh, yeah, my heart goes out to the family because, yeah, my initial thoughts were, uh, is this a, a false flag operation? Are there actual people involved that got killed? Well, that's true. They were, but the whole story is something completely different. I, yeah, I, w- I would definitely, ne- I wouldn't say that nobody died in this. I guess my more, my more point is I think this was J and J or, or t- like the, I think the fault might have, yes. I think this might have been a, a cover up of Tylenol being to blame and not some random yeah. guy. And it also yeah, just I, yeah. gave them a cover your ass moment. And that's why it would yeah. explain why the guy never got in trouble for well, it. Exactly. And that brings insurance implications into this, which is another, you know, you look at that and why is this happening today? Why is everything safety sealed, so to speak? And it's probably for insurance companies, bottom line, and nothing more. And it's an illusion of safety, like the airline safety or safety in general. Yeah, but it does. It is nice that they have that seal on the Gatorades that I know, like some homeless guy didn't take a piss in my Gatorade <laughs> bottle before I buy it. You know what I'm saying? Or yeah, lick the can. Or yeah, you never know. Yeah. I mean, no, I've never cleaned anything in my life until COVID started, of course. Right. And everybody used a little too much cleans, uh, cleaner. Might as well just wash your hands every day in Varsol. Yeah, the amount of the amount of liver damage people were doing to their to their liver just using hand sanitizer way too much and skin falling off their hands. Yeah, 
<laughs> it's yeah. It's just it, uh, if you use too much hand sanitizer, you can get warts. From what I understand. Yes, yes, I've gotten them myself from just from too much hand sanitizer. To it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, um, I've lived in a town. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, you're good. You lived in a town. I no, lived in a town no, too. Go for it. <laughs> oh, we had a norovirus come through here about ten years ago, and you don't ever want that again. Uh, What's that? Great for it's a great dietary illness. Um, they say you're throwing up, and uh, oh no, you're worshiping two altars at the same time. Oh, it's like an ayahuasca trip without <laughs> the fun parts. Yeah, you're sitting down and throwing up at the same time. So you're throwing up in the tub while you're sitting on the toilet. I've done if that, but that was enough. just from alcohol poisoning. <laughs> well, yes. It, it, or bad Taco Bell. <laughs> Meanwhile, the criminal investigation seemed stuck in first gear. The 130-man multi-million dollar investigation, according to sources, hasn't lifted a promising fingerprint. We did receive hundreds, indeed thousands, of tips and would investigate and run down every single one of those tips. A stolen car with Tylenol in it, the body of a man found with Tylenol in a coat pocket the reports of a Tylenol shoplifter. We got there, we said, now where did you get this information? And she says, I have a magic pen. And it made me write these things out and I've told you about it. That's the district attorney describing one of the leads they got. Oh, I see. Okay. Now I see, I like the idea of uh, Tylenol's parent company just putting all, like hiring all these people to put out fake leads too, just to get everybody panicked. Yes, I understand, yep. And they that set themselves sense. up to be the godfathers of the packaging seal on consumer products. So really, ah, they wow. it, I think it was a yes. net positive for Johnson & Johnson. It's a Hegelian dialectic uh, marketing ploy. <laughs> Problem with reaction solution. Hundreds of leads to the cyanide killer, but most of them bum and bizarre. Then there was a new development, an extortion letter threatening to do it again. Authorities today stepped up their search for the man accused of demanding a million dollars from the makers of Tylenol to prevent further murders. The extortion letter, when received, was an obvious point of interest to the law enforcement authorities. James Lewis is said to have made that demand. He maintained as many as 20 aliases and described himself variously as a salesman, computer specialist, importer, and freelance writer. We were trying to determine whether or not the person that sent the letter was indeed the one that had put the cyanide in all the capsules. Rusty shackle for dude. 20 aliases? I was not there. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> or whether it was just some lookalike or screwball taking advantage. Common sense would tell you this is an important uh, thing that we are looking at. As the police searched for Lewis... Johnson & Johnson grappled with a $100 million recall and the future of one of its most lucrative brands. The question became, how do we regain trust? It wasn't in the efficacy of the medicine. Tylenol works. Trust was lost in the packaging because... Oh, no. Did you, I mean, I just got to oh, win. Oh, wow. It, it, just to be clear, wow. people didn't lose trust yes. in Tylenol. Tylenol yeah. works. Yeah. Regain trust. Yeah, baby. It wasn't in the efficacy of the medicine. Tylenol works. Trust was lost in the packaging because the packaging had enabled the poison, the cyanide, to be entered into the medicine. Six weeks to the day since the Tylenol murder story broke, Johnson & Johnson held a news conference in New York to reintroduce Tylenol. Tylenol capsules. It had the cotton ball. It had aluminum over the top. It had a childproof cap. It had plastic over the childproof cap. 
those levels of safety became the levels of trust. I think they're going the extra mile to make it sure that it's consumer safe. Tylenol, the so-called eighth victim of this tragedy, is continuing to recover. The business. T- the eighth victim of this tragedy. Whoa. <laughs> the eighth victim yep. of this tragedy is continuing to recover. The business turnaround, one analyst calls the greatest comeback since Lazarus. Packaging now had become a competitive advantage. Everything from food products to pharmaceuticals were favorably affected. If I take the cap off the milk carton, you have to stick your finger in there and grab the ring and pull the ring out along with the seal. I think of Tylenol still yeah. to this day. Well, it makes sense, doesn't it? I... Uh-huh, that's why I gave you this information, because you ran with it, and you're surprising me like every episode. I love it. Go on. <laughs> well, I just can't... I, it just sounds to me like Tylenol didn't take a hit. I mean, the news report said no, the greatest comeback right. since Lazarus, and that was within yes. the same year... That was that was not even that was months after the Tylenol killings and Tylenol's like made the greatest oh comeback gosh. ever. Oh my gosh. It's kind uh, of like, you know, Bush being dangerously in trouble of marketing and sales and they're what 432 cases, million cases sold that year. <laughs> yeah. Go on. I was going to read something from Servo in the chat. Marketers call this the fresh strip along with its close relative Plastic seal. Hmm. The fresh strip today is standard in many food and product categories, including, among others, yogurt, peanut butter, coffee, ketchup, iced hmm. tea, mustard, juice, vitamins, and all other hmm. over-the-counter medicines. Interesting. Uh, oh. Let's always something read. interesting from the chat room. <laughs> the more you know. <laughs> Brand is from Brand Washed, apparently. Hmm. Um, yeah. Interesting. I uh, say, um, let's read that. That That's list. not the born on date. That's a fresh seal, different fresh strip color. Is it does it turn strip. green? <laughs> does it turn green when it's not good? <laughs> Let's see. Uh well if I Google fresh strip, it's just coming up for um like like uh breath uh strips mm. that you put in to make your breath smell minty. Oh yes, those things, yes. They look um, really really good for you. <laughs> good amount of alcohol. But yeah, so um, the fresh trip is used in many standard food product categories, including yogurt, peanut butter, coffee, ketchup, iced tea, mustard, cigarettes, cigarettes and lottery, lottery buns, tickets, honey and buns, chewing tobacco, pockets, and hot pockets, and honey buns, hot pockets, and coffee, and honey <laughs> and buns, Gatorade, and Coca Cola, <laughs> and aspirin. <laughs> And lighters, a list of and things you know. You know your credit cards and potato stolen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and how uh, much gas? What? <laughs> oh god, sixty nine dollars. Sixty nine dollars in gas. Um. Okay, so. And this is another thing I think that's important. Well, you know what? Never mind. Let me go back to this. Because Absolutely. I think, that, sorry, I had to do these Millions clips last Americans minute, but Thailand- I think there's uh, some real zingers in some of these, so I'm just going to, you're going to bear I with me. Millions of Americans use Tylenol <laughs> every week. Some of you perhaps took a dose this morning, but overdosing on it is a surprisingly common cause of death. In fact, a new study indicates that overdosing on the active ingredient in Tylenol has caused about 1,500 deaths in the past decade. News 13's Samantha McDonald explains more on this problem, alarming problem, I would say, Samantha. Yes, Elizabeth, it is very alarming. The active ingredient in Tylenol is called acetaminophen, and overdosing on it is deadly. 
The director of the New Mexico Poison and Drug Information Center says of all the calls they get every year, the top deadly poison has always been acetaminophen. He says they see mm. about four or five fatalities a year from it. A new study by ProPublica draws attention to this problem by showing how many people are dying nationally. Availability is the reason behind the high rate of overdoses. Acetaminophen is the most common drug ingredient in America. It's in more than 600 prescription drugs and over-the-counter medicines. And too large a dose damages your liver. People don't realize acetaminophen is in multiple mm. medica medications like NyQuil, for example, so you have to be careful about mixing. I'm sorry, this is the wrong clip. I was looking for one where they, they, they open it up and mm. say right off the bat that now we want to clarify acetaminophen is safe and effective. And it's a report from my cool. I'm like, ah, oh, safe and effective. <laughs> oh, where have no. we heard that? Jeez. <laughs> I have no idea. Safe and effective. Uh, but uh, to, to our democracy. Yeah, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll wrap up the uh, this last one because this okay this uh, I think this kind of almost makes forty years after the Tylenol murders, the case remains unsolved. While Lewis served twelve years in prison for the attempted extortion of Johnson and Johnson, he has long denied any involvement in the tampering, and no one has ever been charged with the deadly crime. Lewis made himself a suspect because. He tried to shake down money uh, with the implication being that he had done it and wouldn't do it again. But we had several other suspects, none of which would answer the question of why. And there was no direct link as to the indiscriminate taking of life. The investigation continued. There was no evidence dependent on anybody at that time. And there still hasn't been any evidence. To... Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. so nothing happened to the guy. No. On anyone. So that's where this all stands. It's the perfect crime. It's the perfect crime. So nothing happened to anybody. So what happened is nothing. Exactly. That, nothing. Um, and I know you said that kind of off the top, but just to kind of backtrack and agree with you, it's something's up when, because if they wanted to find who fucking did this, they could have done it. I mean, even in the 80s Absolutely. before the surveillance. Absolutely. State. Yeah. That's right. That's now right. they say that they have uh, a court with new technology. They've now established that um, Lewis was... It had written that letter before the poisonings, or at least before the poisonings were linked to Tylenol. Oh, I see. But that's hmm. like newly found data and still no arrest has been made. And the guy's in his 70s. So, hmm. uh, so I don't interesting. know. I don't know. What are your What are your thoughts there? Well, I don't think he did it again, or they would have put him in jail a long time ago. And something must have come up by then. Even all the DNA evidence that they have, they can't link him with. And that's why they just won't try and try him. Uh, they won't fail. Uh, mm. But it's getting a little late now. You know, he's he's getting a little up there, and uh, we're not quite sure how long this is going to go on for. <laughs> um, the other copycat cases is, is kind of interesting. The uh, the woman was caught uh, right away trying to kill her husband. The now one this that is... was the uh, uh, Stella Nickel. Yes, Stella Maud Nickel. Stella Maud Nickel, uh, she was a former security screener at SeaTac Airport in Seattle. People may find that funny in itself. Uh, her criminal status is incarcerated. So from 1986, she will be spending a 90-year prison term. So she should be out by now <laughs> for good behavior. Uh, that was the case that I mistaken this one for. So I right. had thought that they had caught this person a long time ago for the Sinai killings. 
uh, for Tylenol. And I was mistaken. It was a copycat case that I was studying in school. And, you know, and I thought, oh my gosh, they've changed history. And I got all bent out of shape and realized that it was something else altogether. And uh, yeah, I didn't realize this, this had something it needed to be talked about. Somebody out there knows something about it. And, you know, people before they uh, die over a 40 year period often tell uh, tales on their deathbed and maybe like, something like that'll come up. Like E. Howard Hunt sure. on camera before yes. you on his deathbed about the Kennedy assassination. That's right. That's right. Now, uh, yeah. I, I have the Wikipedia for Stella Nicol pulled up that you sent me. Yes. Um, uh, I'll just kind of skip around here. Maybe, well, the charge she uh, is in for is for tampering with the consumer product. 18 uh, USC uh, from 1365, five counts. 90 <laughs> years is a long time. Now, yeah, I, I see years. people on TikTok pulling out snack packs and sticking their fingers in them or or opening up candy and licking them and putting them back on the shelf or yogurts. Oh, and where do you see that sort of thing? <laughs> it's on TikTok. There's like all kinds oh. of people doing this. And I've never seen anybody get ah. 90 years for that shit. Mm. I know some people have gotten in trouble for it, but they film themselves and put yeah. it on TikTok. Well, yeah, that's... Uh, it was the ice that, cream challenge. It, that was one of them. The ice cream challenge where you yes, open up the yes, ice cream and I've lick it. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. Yep, I've heard of that. Yeah, that, that sounds like uh, like something dumb people would follow if they were told. Dumping buckets of ice water in your head and shoving Tide Pods in your mouth. And, oh, yeah. You know, yeah, it's, it's, it's one step towards idiocracy future. Guy told me Roll Tide the other day. And <clears throat> he came into the store and yelled Roll Tide, and I grabbed a Tide Pod out of the laundry room in the back and rolled it across the ground. <laughs> so Stella... <laughs> That's actually a true story. Yes. Nobody thought it was funny. Right. <laughs> uh, Stella soon found herself in various legal issues, including a conviction for fraud in 1968, a charge of spousal abuse for beating Hamilton with a curtain rod in 1969, just one year oh, later, boy. and a conviction oh, for forgery in 1971. She served six months in jail for the fraud charge and was ordered into counseling after the abuse charge. Stella met yes. Bruce Nickel in 1974. Bruce was a heavy equipment operator with a drinking habit, which suited her lifestyle. <laughs> I love that. Which yeah. suited her lifestyle. <laughs> She could, he could take the beating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was tough enough to take a curtain rod to the head. Uh, the two were. Yeah, she, uh, oh, go ahead. Oh, go on. Nope, nope. nope. Well, she she opened up that uh, insurance clause against him, uh, insurance uh, policy, and then tried to kill him with the cyanide. But uh, she did what Walter White um, always preaches against: is always clean your equipment before cooking. Mm. And what she, what she didn't do is clean the mortal and pestle she ground the cyanide up with and left in some algicide from her fish tank uh, as the residue. So they had this algicide and this cyanide, and they were trying to figure out where this algicide came from and came from around the corner at her fish uh, uh, food store. And there was all the ingredients they needed on the back of the package. The, uh, the police officers never had an easier case, I remember. <laughs> Go on now. <laughs> Yeah, that's I, I didn't know about until you sent me. I didn't know anything about Stella Nickel, but I've watched a little bit. I don't have any clips, but I think um, it's it. This one seems to be a little more open and shut than the. Uh, oh, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> I would say. Well, uh, this was Excedrin or some other product, too. I believe it was Excedrin or uh, I love Excedrin. <laughs> what's Excedrin do? It's uh, the same kind of. Um, 
cold medication or extra strength medication. Robitussin, Excedrin, Advil, whatever, uh, all these products. You ever robo-trip when you were a kid? Robo-tripping? No. No, I did not. (laughs) Yeah, it's terrible for you. It's when you just drink like a whole thing of Robitussin and just start hallucinating. Right, right. I learned whippets in New York City. That was funny. I didn't understand what that was. I, I just like whipped cream myself. I didn't like that air part. <laughs> right. But yeah, that's. Whippets yeah, are okay. Uh, Better than air dust. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, what's an air dust? <laughs> it's like that shit you clean your keyboard with. If you inhale it, you get the. Boom, oh, boom, yeah, boom, yeah. Boom, and you just. Oh, I, wonderful. People wonderful. die from that all the time. It's terrible for you. Yes, yes. Like those old 80s movies where the copier copies go to every student and they inhale it. Put it on their face. Ah. Classic. <laughs> oh, absolutely. We should do a show on that. See what's that? Ether. Yeah. <laughs> so so close to after after ether. 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 Oh, we could do a, an, an Easter the show. Ether on e- <laughs> <laughs> we do an Easter <laughs> ether show. Is that what you're saying? I like that. Yes. Yeah. I love the cartoon of the Easter bunny with the cloth over the kid's face. It's the Easter bunny. <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant. It could have been a comic strip blogger. Can't not say that name. CSB, shout out. Gotta love the man. You mentioned me on show again. Oh, no I let thought Rat he was win. No let Rat win. So, uh, I thought, I thought so, he was an Englishman. CSB? <laughs> yeah. He's a Polak, I think. No, that's Gwiff. Gwiff is the voice of CSB. Oh, right. <laughs> Gwiffy. He's the, he's the face of Tylenol. <laughs> Uh, he's the 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 simulation is near that's all i can say so the scientists don't even know how tylenol works if you've ever had a headache then you know the wonders of one of the united states most popular over-the-counter medicines tylenol also known as acetaminophen or if you're overseas paracetamol this stuff is a quick and easy way to relieve pain and reduce fever although you may be confident in the fact that your pharmacy knows everything there is to know about this stuff take a look at the physician's note that comes with the bottle although the analgesic effect of acetaminophen is well established the site and mode of action have not been clearly elucidated translation yeah this stuff works but we just don't know how so, is it fair to say that just as many people use Tylenol now as in early 1980s? Yeah, I would say probably more. Uh, probably more. I would agree. Expanding and is it, it all, but yeah, yeah. I'd and is it so, safe yeah. to say that now they feel, they could even say they might feel more safe and more trusting taking it now that all the safety seals are on it? Everything's safer. Everything. Everything's better, too. Quality improved. <laughs> Right. Uh, so, well, what wasn't spoilable anyway is now a little more, a little more unspoilable. I'm not sure. Um, I think that there is more crap into products than there was back in the '80s. I think that uh, uh, things that are, uh, you know, processed foods should have seals on them you can't open. It'd be better for you. <laughs> but go on. I just, I guess my, I guess what my the main crux of my argument is sure. m- more people feel Tylenol is safe than than back then, uh, and more people take Tylenol back then. Just on based on that assumption alone, yes. so Tylenol yes. and Johnson well, yes. Johnson really didn't take a hit in the long term. Even in the short term, they bounced right, right. back within a month or two. Now right. I have and, a and people like Chris Rock said, "I don't know what's in Tylenol. I take it." You know, right. just during the the vaccination craze, and yeah. he was one of the uh, one of the people that were uh, uh, influencers. Do you call them? Yes, influencers. 
Yep. And then he staged that whole thing with, uh, at the Oscars with Will Smith. Yeah, that was that was weird. <laughs> <laughs> so, Tylen, this is from sciencealert.com. Uh, one of the most consumed drugs in the U.S. and most commonly taken worldwide could be doing a lot more than simply taking the edge off your headache, new evidence suggests. Acetaminophen, also known as paracetamol, I think I'm pronouncing that right, maybe, uh, <clears throat> under brand names like Tyranol and Panadol, increases risk-taking as well, according to a new study that measured changes in people's behaviors when under the influence of acetaminophen. It seems to make people less negative feel less negative emotion when they consider risky activities. They don't feel as scared or risk-averse, says neuroscientist Baldwin Way from The Ohio State University. It sounds you, like uh, lithium or um, what's that in the water? Uh, uh, I think it is lithium. Fluoride. Well, fluoride the same sort of effect to the brain, yeah. Yeah. Makes you less likely to be a, a problem prisoner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which you can take that in more than one way than two. Yes. With nearly 25% of the population taking acetaminophen each week, reduced risk perceptions and increased risk-taking could have important effects on society. This is just from the, the science uh, alert, but there's – a lot of studies at this that I uh, started looking into today. Here's one. Uh, new this study says acetaminophen recap. has a surprising side effect. Every week, 50 million Americans take the pain reliever. Most people know as Tylenol. Researchers at The Ohio State University say it may change your mood as it relieves your headache. Dr. Holly Phillips is with us. Good morning. Good morning. I was really surprised when I when I heard the headline of this study because sure. we all take Tylenol pretty frequently. What did yeah. we learn? Yeah, Speak actually yourself, one in bitch. five Americans takes it every single <laughs> week. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know what? What's, what I found fascinating about this study, uh, we've known for a while that in addition to relieving pain, Tylenol also may blunt our negative emotions or our emotional pain. This study took it a step further and said that in addition to affecting negative emotions, it may also affect positive feelings as well. So what the researchers did, uh, they took two, it was two, a group of two small studies. They gave participants a thousand milligrams of acetaminophen, uh, which is the active ingredient in Tylenol, and then they waited an hour. And they showed them a group of photographs. The first photographs were happy photographs, they should make you laugh or smile. The other group uh, were sad photographs, they should make you feel uncomfortable or even cry. Uh, what they found was that compared with people who took placebo, those who had taken acetaminophen had a less strong emotional reaction across the board. It's Soma from Free, uh, Brave New World, or it's it's like a dulled down, uh, have you ever seen that movie Equilibrium, where everybody, when the alarm goes off on their watch, they all have to take the same pill at the same time of day? Oh, yes, yes, I have. Yes. So, to I mean, my conspiratorial brain goes, uh, it's just another way to keep the... Um, you know, just keep the the population docile, and that's absolutely, not an accident. absolutely, yeah. Just like uh, what tomorrow represents. If you didn't legalize that, you might actually have a civil war right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they did the. There was it was the uh, old studies in the from uh, man. I that fluoride episode I did with Mofax. I had them. I'm going off memory, yes, that's but excellent. excellent. The major excellent. studies they did where they. Uh, um, and it was like independent, uh, I guess, psychologists, but they, they looked mm-hmm. at where the uh, civil unrest and race riots happened, and it always happened in unflor- places with less fluoridation. Hmm. So, it, yeah, like, interesting. Yeah. Yes. But mm-hmm. I have a University of California kind of deeper dive on uh, two of those studies they did, and he goes on to list like 10 different studies. I didn't pull all of it because it was like a 45 minute lecture. They, uh, so they he- must not have had. Oh, go on. Go on. No, you're good. 
No, go for it. They must not have had what? Oh, they must not have had fluoride in the water of Detroit during the uh, 60s there when I was born. They had a riot. And yeah, the water was probably clean back then. A Grand Rapids, Michigan was the first population to really introduce fluoride hardcore, I believe. Really? I thought it, I thought it would be Flint. Flint, Michigan seems to take the cake Flint, for that sort of Flint thing. Flint as well. Flint, yeah. Flint and Grand Rapids mm-hmm. both had it. I don't know about Detroit. That makes sense. That makes sense. That was like in the, oh. there's an old great video from the 40s. Oh, well, well. Like, we you, care you about want. our children and their teeth, so we're putting it in the water. And that was uh, Grand you Rapids. You want your, uh, yes, but you want your segregated black society to riot. You don't want the Polish <laughs> communities. And that was more Polish communities and uh, people of that nature in that part of uh, Michigan, if I remember. Hamtramck, for sure, that area is all uh, heavily uh, Polish people. But yeah, the black community in the downtown Cork can do whatever we want them to. And they were pushed to the brink of doing what they did <laughs> on that wonderful night. So go on. Go on. I might have, uh, let's see if I, this might be. The State Department of Health, University of Michigan, and the U.S. Public Health Service. After six years of fluoridation, the study shows that the six-year-old children who drank the water from birth had 65% less tooth decay. That's because they Mm -hmm. had less teeth, if you look into the science about that. Yes, yes. They had less cavities because they had less teeth. But uh, That's right. It's like, I lost 40 pounds, and they don't show from their waist down. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I lost 40 pounds, but I was actually carrying an 80-pound backpack right before this. Yeah, it's like... That's um, right. Or my legs are now missing. <laughs> uh, where do we go here? Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, so I had uh, kind of a more in-depth touch on these acetaminophen studies from the University of California this lecture. So each week, 50 million people take, uh, 50 million Americans take products that contain acetaminophen. By the way, this guy talking, doing his off-brand tag talk would, he would pause for about 10, 15 seconds between words. So I chopped out all the silences. To put that in perspective, that's the population of California and Ohio together. So a lot of people are taking this drug. And most people are taking it to relieve uh, minor aches and pains, headaches, and fever. But recent research suggests that acetaminophen might have broader psychological effects. So in one study, and I wasn't involved in this work, But researchers uh, brought participants into the lab and they scanned their brains while they were playing a game called Cyberball. And Cyberball is a uh, ball-tossing task. And the participants in this study thought that they were playing this game with two other people who were also getting their brains scanned. But in actuality, they were playing against the computer. Um, So I want you to imagine that you're a participant in this study. And you're represented by this hand at the bottom of the screen. And the two people that you think you're playing against are represented by those avatars. So you're just passing the ball to each other. And then at some point, this happens. The two other people just start passing the ball to each other, and they don't pass it to you. Now, this is just a meaningless (laughs) ball passing task, right? But yet, when this happens, people feel rejected. And this rejection, this social rejection, feels painful. And because of that, people refer to social rejection as a form of social pain. 
So what I haven't told you is that some people in this study, they were given acetaminophen before this ball-tossing task, and then others um, weren't given the drug. And the researchers found that when they looked at the brain activation, the brain reactions, as people were playing this game, the people who were taking acetaminophen didn't seem to be responding. Their brains didn't seem to be responding as intensely to rejection. So this suggested to the researchers that acetaminophen might not be just blunting our perceptions of physical pain, but it also um, might affect our reactions to social pain. So let's ah. just pretend for a minute that that's not an accidental attribute of acetaminophen. Mm-hmm. If you, the, the metaphor for the ball is, you know, the ball not getting past you is your rights being slowly taken away. Uh, <laughs> income inequality, just a general societal unfairness uh, to the individual yes, yes. and to the and to your community. If you're taking Tylenol, if you're just chomping on Tylenol, then uh, you're more likely, according to these studies, to be fine with injustice happening directly to you. Absolutely. And that's why they would give it to the prisoners. Mm. all prisoners are a lot less dangerous and easier to handle. You know, uh, you do whatever you want to them afterwards. Yeah, I like where you're going with this. I like it. Um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much, that's my takeaway. That's pretty much all, all I've got. That's kind of where my research led me. Uh, I just think it's, nice. I think Very it's, nice. uh, I, I think it's a little sus as the kids say the, um, I mean, usually if like subway, right. They took a big hit when it came out that one of the ingredients in the bread is the same used in yoga mats. Nobody oh, died yes, yes, from eating subway. Subway took a That's hit right. when they, when they, uh, when Jared Fogle turned out he was a pedophile, right? Subway took mm, a hit. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Tylenol, yeah. a bunch of people died. Nobody took a hit. And 500 people no. died, like tens of thousands of people. I think it was over 50,000 people a year hospitalized from Tylenol, something like that, or at least. And wow. um, yes. and and 500 die every year from Tylenol. Mm-hmm. They, they're still going strong. Subway, on the other hand, I don't know why I picked Subway as an example, but it's the first thing that came to mind. Not doing as well. Um, Starbucks has had to close a lot of locations. Like, you know, I, I don't know. Yes, Tylenol, yes. Like Tylenol seems fine. So to me, I think um, that the I guess we both agree there was some kind of psyop going on with the Tylenol poisonings, mm-hmm. whether it was cyanide Absolutely. or or what. But it doesn't seem like it hurt the Tylenol brand at all. No, no. And uh, if anything, yeah, it has now protected them from liability. They're uh, well, we put a seal on it. Our hands are clean. Yeah, we're out of here. That sort of uh, attitude. Yeah. That'd be yeah, a good, and as usual, you've good taken this up. to a better level than I ever imagined. Nothing. I knew the topic was <laughs> it was important for some reason. Whatever I put my brain to seems to make mean something for someone else. I don't really <laughs> understand that, but you know, I got uh, grumpy old Ben's to go on the Grimerica show and got everybody all together, and then that was a great show. They did boom. that little swap. Oh well, yeah, yeah, I agree. I completely agree, and yeah, I I knew it was important for somebody. Apparently that was Booberry. So hey, <laughs> <laughs> why not? <laughs> yeah, they, didn't they have to name them uh, Darren One and Darren Two for that episode? Probably. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that was because um, yeah, I got Darren's email mixed with Darren's email, and they were uh, forwarding the emails, so there was too many Darrens. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I understood, but yeah, it gets mixed up. You brought up Seinfeld. Now I'm just having to hear the Seinfeld theme. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just uh, <laughs> like like Servo said in the chat. Read your fucking labels, people, too, uh, before you, you before you take products, whether it's food yeah, or especially you, medicine. Absolutely, and you don't want to end up end up a human centipede or anything you really <laughs> don't want to sign up for. My God, <laughs> Cairo, should I eat a vanilla pudding or the Japanese cuttlefish? Oh, okay, Cairo. I will eat the cuttlefish. <laughs> Luckily for you, there's a map to the hospital on the back of the menu. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, my skilled hands are busy. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Do you have any any other thoughts on this? Because I've I've kind of exhausted my material for the moment. No, uh, well, because it's an unsolved case, it just goes on. It's one of those stories that. Probably never be solved. I mean, uh, there's a lot of people thinking it might be solved uh, in 2023, according to the YouTube true crime people. Mm. So maybe if it does get solved, we'll get to revisit this. You and I soon. Well, yeah, that may be another completely different topic. And do you believe who they caught? Do you believe it was Donald Trump? (laughs) Dude, (laughs) I don't think he would do something like that. He probably is an alibi. I would. I could see them framing him as the cyanide killer. That'd be funny. Yep. Why not? <laughs> Why not? The right people always go to jail. The rule of law exists and uh, the world is fair and just. Word. <laughs> well, I hear you. Dude, thanks for coming on. Can we do it again soon? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and can I thank uh, uh, Graham Dunlop tonight for telling me to relax and uh, do the show. And uh, I told him to relax when he crosses your border tomorrow because he's going down to Bryce Canyon. Oh, they're doing it's another Randall event. Over legal. Yeah, they are. They're going to be in Bryce Canyon and uh, Zion. And uh, one day I'll go back there. It's a beautiful place. I totally recommend it. They still have some openings too. So yeah, check them out. Yeah. And and uh, that's all I have to say. And thank you very much. This has been a pleasure and I had fun. Uh, Absolutely, man. Yeah, we'll do it again when I don't have to work so early in the morning. We'll do it. A- Amen. Have- Amen. Uh, but yeah, um, yeah, dude. Thanks, thanks for coming on. Anything else uh, besides besides Gray America that you want to give a shout out to? I, obviously, I, I'll link your uh, no agenda social if you want. I don't know what else you got for people to check out. Well, behind the schemes, um, um, the uh, uh, <laughs> bull after bull behind the schemes. That Larry show, of course. Nick the rat. All of the shows on the no agenda stream, of course. Nick the rat. I'm sorry. Uh, hog story. Got to mention uh, Up Is Down. Latest episode of Up Is Down. Real hard to listen to if you're uh, if you're uh, a fan of current topics and uh, something uh, may be appealing to you. Listen to that uh, latest episode and it might cringe you away from choosing that choice in life. <laughs> That's all I'll say about it. <laughs> uh, man, Dean's the best, dude. I love Dean Runner. Uh, yes, yeah. yes. Dean is... Dean is, uh, I was a fan of his when he was working for the post office. And I, I hope I convinced yeah. him to quit that job because it was driving him crazy. Yeah, I remember and his rants yeah, about yeah, it back in the day. He's back. He's up. <laughs> yep. He, he sounded like a typical government employee caught in the government web of uh, gossip and uh, people backstabbing and uh, yeah. horrible organizations anyway. 
but yeah, that's that's all. And I love your show and yeah, keep it up. Uh, I will uh, listen. Yeah, and thank you, Chris. Thank you, man. And uh, yeah, uh, do you want me to link your uh, your socials or are you? Uh, on a, you oh, might- sure, if you want. Yeah, I, I'm not hiding from anything. Okay. My name's Paul. I'm not hiding from my name. This is a Scandinavian was invented by uh, Adam Curry, and I laughed my ass off when I heard the name. <laughs> So it was a no brainer when it came time to choose one. So it was my pleasure to choose that name. Yeah. Very funny. It's in honor of my uh, brother who uh, passed away about eight years ago now in Toronto from fentanyl poisoning. So it's real. It hits people. Yes. Thank you. Uh, But uh, he was in a bad way at the time. So it, it finds people like that. And yeah, it's it's a shame that's a real pandemic going on out there, and it hits home to too many people. So, yeah, uh, always have room for someone in need. If they need your help, uh, don't turn your back. All right. Okay. I had to go out on a high note. Right on. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, everybody. Thank you very much, Chris. Thank Let's you. Do it again. Let's do it again here in a month or so. Will do. This hope has been episode... catch him by then. Oh, sorry. I keep interrupting you. Oh, hope, it, hope they catch the killer by then. Yeah. If not, we'll find something uh, even more crazy to talk about. Like Absolutely. Uh, Whatever you like. Uh, yeah, I like the Tylenol thing, though, because it sent me down some rabbit holes that I hadn't considered. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I've learned quite a bit. Uh, people's feedback and, and what you put together, it's a, it, it's very well surprised me. Good job, as usual. Hot pockets. Don't don't just drain the swamp. Drain the fucking ocean. <laughs> With that, good night, everybody. Right. This has been episode 183 with Sir Candidavian. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. Have a good night, everybody. Night, everybody. Now, a recent study followed up this work, and they had participants do a whole bunch of tasks. And um, you know, some people were given acetaminophen, others were given placebo. So. They thought they might get acetaminophen, but they actually weren't given acetaminophen. And they read different scenarios such as this. And in these scenarios, the protagonists were going through a painful situation. So this is an example of a physical pain situation. So Chris was chopping vegetables for dinner. When his friend asked him a question, Chris turned to respond and slipped with the knife. The knife cut a huge slice in his finger that went to the bone. And here's an example of a scenario that causes social pain. So Bobby is new to school and joined the volleyball team. Tonight was their first match. At the end of a close game, the ball came right to Bobby for an easy play. He missed the ball and they lost the game. His teammates groaned and walked off the court. So interestingly, what these researchers found was that the people who were given acetaminophen didn't rate these scenarios as painful as those who were not given acetaminophen. One more study before I tell you about my research. So in this research, uh, the investigators had participants come into the lab and look at photographs. And some of the photographs were of positive images, such as kittens and you know, beautiful natural scenes. And these weren't the actual images that people saw, but they were pretty close. And then other images were negative images. So like a snake staring directly at you, 
or just garbage all over the ground. And these researchers found that people who were given acetaminophen didn't respond as positively to the positive images, and they didn't respond as negatively to the negative images. So what this suggested to them is that acetaminophen doesn't just blunt our sensitivity to pain, but it might blunt our sensitivity to just emotional information, both positive and negative more generally. Let's say acetaminophen actually does influence our psychology when we're interacting with group members, and millions of people are taking this drug. How does it affect policy decisions, politics, moral judgments, etc.?